What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Work Party, the podcast that's part work, part party. Work Party celebrates a new generation of women and femmes who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. With access to channels such as TikTok and Spotify and opportunities like accelerators and free digital courses, starting a business has honestly never been more attainable. But trust me, success doesn't happen overnight. Today's episode is just me unveiling the truth about starting a business and what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. I'm answering your questions on the good, the bad, the challenging, and the rewarding with a few hot takes in between. I'm so excited to tap into my experience and share. It's going to be a really fun episode that you won't want to miss. So let's start with some of the topics that we threw out to our audience. The first one, business ideation. Let's get started with generating a business idea. Question number one, how many times does a business idea usually pivot before finding success? Is there ever a case where a good idea is actually born overnight? So I think ideas and businesses change over time because the world and people change over time. And your business has to pivot to kind of fit what's going on in that world. A good example of this is my first company, which was called No Subject. It was a marketing agency specifically launched as a social media marketing agency during the boom of Facebook and Twitter. And I want to even say maybe pre-Instagram. And basically, all of these brands were having to get on these social networks overnight. And there was a massive demand for social media management. And I knew I had expertise in that. I had done that before. And so I started to go after clients that were looking for social media management of their certain channels, whether that was Facebook or Twitter, etc. So I knew this was a very big demand. 
But basically, over the years, things changed, right? More things rolled out. YouTube, Instagram, influencers. Things started to change. And I knew I needed my services to change overnight to fit with what was going on in the market. So I think this is true of any kind of business. Like You have to continue iterating, changing, and pivoting to match what's happening in the real world. The next question is, what really makes a business idea flop? Yikes. Okay. What makes an idea flop? I feel like there are no failures. There are only learnings. And I've started companies that you guys have never heard of that failed, that just didn't become anything bigger than what they were, an idea. And I think it's important to remember that business failure, as my friend Maxie McCoy puts it, it's just a bunch of data points. It's a bunch of learnings to take into whatever your next venture is. So think about it that way. But when you're looking at actual metrics of what makes a business flop, it's really when you aren't making money. I mean, that is truly the biggest metric there. If there's demand and excitement and all these different things around it, there's still a business there, but it's really about do the numbers add up. And I think that's just sort of the easiest way to look at if your business idea is good or bad. The next question is, I've presented my business idea to friends, family, and people who might be interested in investing. I'm confident I'm filling a need in the market and I'm proud of the work I've done to prepare for launch but they're just not convinced. What's your idea or advice for breaking into a market of non-believers? Well, first of all, you might need some new family and friends. Just kidding. But I think it's important to understand it's good to have naysayers. It's good to have people question your idea and poke holes in it. It feels horrible. I totally understand that. But I think it's important to know what the side of the audience is that's going to be a skeptic and really think about what it's going to take to persuade them to get over the line to be interested in your idea and ask them, what's their barrier to entry? Is it they just don't need that product? Is it too expensive? Are they not understanding what they're actually getting? Dive into all of those ideas of why is this something that you're not willing to buy or be part of? You know, they might not be your target demographic, which that's okay as well. Uh, You know, if I was pitching the idea of Create and Cultivate to a 50-year-old man, they might think I was crazy and say, this is a horrible idea, but they're not my target market. So I think it's just really important about thinking about the feedback, taking it in, maybe making some decisions based on that, and then moving on to people who are going to be your target market. Okay. Our second section is called making it happen. Here we go. There's this idea that quote unquote, anyone can do it. If that's the case, what's the secret to breaking barriers and making a business venture actually happen? So yeah, I think anyone can do it. The question is, is do you want to do it? (laughs) Um, Because it is challenging. It is hard. I think that anyone can do it mentality is not that like, it's easy. It's just that if it was easy, everyone would do it. But it's not. It's hard. So it's something to think through. The breaking of barriers and making a business venture actually happen, it's a one day at a time approach, really ticking the boxes of getting things moving and just getting it out in the world, whether that's trademarking your business, buying your website domain, working on your website, you know, on your off days, little steps make big impact. And I think that's important as you're going along the way of like, I need to launch this business, but like, I'm not getting there. When it, How do I actually make this happen? It's those small steps that really add up. And breaking through barriers, access to information. Just do as much research as possible. And if you keep running into those barriers, start asking yourself why and what are the problems that are causing these barriers to arise and ask people who've done it, who've broken those barriers, what they did to actually get through it. Next question. What do boundaries really look like as a new entrepreneur? Is it possible to separate life from business? Great question. The answer is maybe. I don't really know. No. I think it's really challenging. And I think 
look, when you're running your own business, it becomes part of your life, right? You don't check in at check in at nine, leave at five and then go on your merry way. It stays with you all day, all night. And you're constantly thinking about your business. So the reality is you have to be the one to set those boundaries. And those boundaries are really going to be dictated by your own limits. So if you're burning out, if you're not making time, you know, for your health, wellness, family, friendships, relationships, and things are starting to kind of crumble around you, it's time to set some boundaries and really look at your life from a different lens of what does success look like for me? And there might be months and weeks where you say, hey, I'm going to go really hard on my job. And then there's weeks where you're like, I'm going to go and spend a ton of time with my family. Hey, work party listeners, whether you're just finishing up college and wondering what's next, or you've been in your career for a while and are ready for a change, investing in your education is never a bad idea. And the Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business is in the business of investing in women. Scheller is committed to helping women achieve their dreams, no matter their background, work experience, or future goals. Located in the heart of Atlanta's Tech Square, which is home to a high density of startups, corporate innovators, and researchers, Scheller provides a phenomenal business education that allows its students to grow professionally and personally, while also learning from the brightest minds in business and technology. And the numbers stand behind this. Scheller's MBA career services have been ranked top five in the world, five years running. In fact, their class of 2022 graduates had a 100% employment rate. Plus, the school offers many scholarships for women, making an investment in you and your MBA more accessible. If the only thing holding you back is your time, and believe me, I know how it can be in short supply when you're juggling multiple priorities, know this, Scheller offers full-time, evening, and executive MBA programs that are consistently ranked top 20 in the nation. This flexible design really does make it tailorable to you and your situation. So if you're interested, visit gtmbawomen.com to learn more about Scheller's MBA programs. That's gtmbawomen.com to learn more about Scheller's MBA programs. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from addiction almost nine years ago, I have been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life. And I'm sharing everything with you from how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures. I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with the industry's top experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Okay, next question. Is it possible to be creative and follow the data? How do you convince someone that data is essential to creating something successful despite thinking something looks or sounds cool? I think at the end of the day, there's really a mix of creativity and your gut and data. And I think that's where you really want to live is like in that sweet spot between those two, because I really feel like the data is important. Absolutely. But your specific take on that data is what's more important. Okay, next question. I'd love to turn my hobby into a side hustle, but I really don't have the time or energy to focus on building something outside of my full-time job, nor do I have the means to quit. What's your advice? So turning your hobby into a side hustle. So two things to think about before doing that. Like one is like, what does this hobby provide for you? If it's, if it's this 
outlet of creativity that you absolutely love and like it makes you really happy, turning something into a business can really change what that looks like for you. So something to consider. Second, are you getting a lot of interest in this hobby that can translate into dollars, into sales, into customers? That's something that you really want to think about. I think when it comes to the time or energy to focus on something, I totally get that. But I think if you really want to make this leap and take that next step, you got to set a timeline for yourself. Six months, one year, six days, whatever it is. And say, when I get to this amount of customers from my hobby or side hustle, I'm going to take the leap. And I'm going to have the financial runway and cushion to be able to do that because I'm going to save this much by this date, by that time. Really putting things in perspective and around a timeline will get you in gear and make it something that's doable, something that's realistic. Like you don't want to burn yourself out before you've even started building the business. Next question, what sort of things need to be in place before ripping the bandaid off and starting a business? Here are a few things. Look, I never started a company with a business plan. I know people do. I think it's great. I think it can go either way. I I don't think you need to have every little I dotted T cross before launching your business. But what I do think you need to have is a name, a trademark, a website, a social presence, a, whatever your service or offering is, your product, and the ability to get that product to customers. You need to have those things sorted out. You don't want to launch and then be riddled with a ton of sales, but you have no product or no customer service set up. Luckily for you, there's a billion different plugins and easy ways to kind of create these what feel like very high value Fortune 500 company-esque items like a customer service module, um, an email newsletter, whatever it is that are so easy to use that you can plug in on the back end. So you can start your business off with a bang instead of scrambling to get things done. Last question on this section. What are the signs of closing the chapter on a business venture idea? Is there a good time to ever give up? I think, yeah, of course, there's always a good time to give up. I think it there's it really comes down to, again, the money of it. Are you making money? Are you Is there money-making opportunity in the future? Is it on the horizon? Where are you at? If you're losing a lot of money and there's no real light at the end of the tunnel, that's when you might need to reconsider the business. Okay, mentorship. Here we go. It feels like everyone is taking their work experience and becoming an expert. How can you identify qualified coaches or mentors on social media? I love this question because I talk about this all the time with my friends about the credibility crisis and how all of a sudden overnight, there was billions of millionaires on social media telling you like they could make you a billionaire too. And, and it was like, where were all these billionaires? Was everyone just like a secret billionaire? Um, but no, I, I think this is really important. So I think when it comes to a coach, and I'm excited to say I actually have started to coach some women that I'm loving. And I've had a coach for a long time. When it comes to a coach, you really need to think about what you want to get out of it and what you really need assistance with. Is it leadership work? Is it team management? Is it more specific to your business itself and how you're going to grow it and scale it or fundraise for it? What are those little specific notes that you're like, I know I need help with this? And find coaches that can relate to that experience. So for instance, if your coach has never run a million dollar business and you have a a million dollar plus business, maybe not the right coach for you. If your coach has never exited a company and you want to sell your company, maybe not the right coach for you. The way I sort of think about it is, has my coach or mentor been there, done that? And that's where you really want to look for a coach. And that's specific to those those needs. When it comes to leadership coaching and team management and team dynamics, there are coaches that maybe haven't run companies, but they're experts in that field. I think like for me with my coach, 
Create and Cultivate as a business was running extremely successfully. Where I really needed help at the time was managing a growing team, dealing with personalities of you know all kinds, investors, partners, employees, and really navigating that road. And she was amazing at that. It was a, it was a real nice place to have an unbiased opinion who would come in and really show me perspectives that I never thought of, really give me the language and the tools I needed to kind of get through certain time periods. So I think ask a lot of questions and make sure that they've been there and done that. Next question, who should consider a business coach? What should I consider when researching for the right business coach? So so we went into that a little bit, but a business coach, I think really kind of comes into play. I mean, in many ways, they are a little bit of your therapist and a consultant at the same time. But I think it comes into play when you're running into sort of the same issues over and over again. Is there high turnover at your company? Did your, is your business partner in you having a hard time? Can you, not secure funding for your business? Um, Are you coming up against the same challenges? Like that's a great time for a breakthrough. And that's when really a business coach can come in and game change your business. Next question. Is there a proper time, place, or reason to push back on investors? Or is it actually frowned upon because they're ultimately funding your business? No, absolutely. I mean, there's a million different types of investors. There's passive investors, there's more active investors, and then there's investors who maybe don't understand your business and have the wrong questions and are pushing for the wrong things that ultimately you don't believe in. But this really comes down to and really thinking about how you are taking those investment dollars in the first place. Who has the voting rights? Who has the the end of the line say? If you have a board, if you have investors, whatever it might be, it's really important to consider at the end of the day, who has the power to say what goes and make sure you set yourself up for success with that specifically. It's always good to have tough conversations with people who are invested in your business or just in your life in general. I think it's important to, you know, obviously provide data, reasoning behind what you're thinking, and then really tell them your feelings on it and make sure that it's also documented in emails and things like that. So that if anything happens down the line, you can say, look, I I was against this from the beginning and now here we are. That would be my advice. But of course, like you're not supposed to be a pushover for your investors. And most investors don't want that. They want a founder with a strong vision and a backbone. So something to consider. And also a good time to get a coach if you're like, how do I work with my investors in a sticky situation? Just there we go. Full circle. Okay. Advice. Last section. What's the best way to handle mistakes, whether it's client facing or a mistake made internally? Own up to it. I think that is the biggest takeaway I have. Whether you're an employee or the founder, owning up to your mistakes is so important. For instance, like I remember we had this one employee who was booking me a flight for, you know, one of our conferences and it was a first class flight. It was very expensive, big deal, obviously, for us to spend on this this flight. And they booked it on the like the a month earlier. So basically like the day came and went and I don't know how we figured it out but basically figured out that like $4,000 later that flight was on the wrong date and I was upset of course as a small, you know, self-funded company that was a big money mistake but the employee owned up to it and it really made me happy. It wasn't like, well, this person said this or I thought this and this and that. It was no run around. It was like I messed up. This was my mistake. And I really appreciated that. I think accountability is huge, whether you are the founder, an employee, you know, talking to a client, I think it really matters. So I would say accountability first. Next question is, is it okay to let go of clients? 
Absolutely. Obviously, it's challenging if you're in a position where you need their money and it's really helping your business. But I've definitely let go of clients in the past, specifically at my first business. You know, we had one client who was just really derogatory to our team and just was horrible to work with no matter what work we did, no matter how good it was, it was never good enough. And I just made the decision and said, we're not a good fit. Um, You know, and I wanted to move on because it was just soul sucking for our team. And it just wasn't what we wanted out of our clients at that time. And it was very empowering to say no. And luckily, we were in the position to be able to do that. What's the biggest marketing mistake you see entrepreneurs or small business owners making? Ooh, good one. I mean, I think investing too heavily into meta. Obviously, Facebook, Instagram, everyone's pouring cash into those ads. But I really think an omni-channel approach where you are diversifying out your marketing is going to be better in the long run, especially after what happened with the iOS update, where millions of people who are having so much luck creating you know, these businesses based on that algorithm. And when it changed overnight, completely ruined their businesses. So it's important to have that diversification. Next question. Has your approach to work changed since you got your start? If so, how? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, it's been a long time. (laughs) But I think, you know, I, I think for me, what work has become a little different for me over the years, been in working now almost 20 years, which is crazy. And I think for me, it's, it's been a confidence flywheel, right? Where at the beginning, I didn't really know a lot, but I took a lot of risks, a lot of chances, and I absorbed as much as I possibly could from much smarter people than myself. And then I really understood my strengths and I leaned into them and I pushed forward and made decisions based on my own confidence around specific businesses or ideas I had. And now I'm at the you know kind of place in my life where I really want to teach people and help people and help people grow because I look back at all the mistakes I've made, all the challenges I faced, and I knew if I had just had that one person to reach out to, to talk to, to push me over the edge, I think that would have made such a huge difference for me. So it's something I'm excited to do. Next question. Are there any business trends you think are on their way back? Ooh, I like this one. Look, I think we're kind of hitting digital fatigue. I do think, you know, we were in the COVID period of everything online, everything on demand, everything streaming, which everyone participated in. And now I think we're going to have that mix of like slow and fast life, right? Where people are really gravitating towards experiences again, offline versus that pay to play quick, get a million views type marketing. So I think that in terms of businesses, businesses that aren't on that fast growth trajectory, you know, fancy office, tons of venture. I think that's going to die down a little bit. And we're going to see more of these sort of self-funded companies or small, you know, small VC round companies kind of come into play because they're building slow, but smart and profitably. So that's definitely a trend I'm seeing. What do you think 2023 looks like for the budding entrepreneur? Well, from a market perspective, it's not great. (laughs) Um, The market's up and down. But look, I will say it's not as bad as the last two years. I do feel like at the end of the year, we're going to see sort of a renaissance in terms of the market, in terms of investing, in terms of people just getting back to business. Um, I think we've been in kind of a rocky, weird state. I think my best piece of advice would be look at the trends, look at the market and follow that. Don't rely too heavily on one marketing channel. Diversify out and be cash conscious is what I would say. Last question. How are you taking care of yourself in 2023? 
Oh, I love this question. So I have been on a crazy health kick and it, I don't know if it's because it's the beginning of the year, but I have been really proactive about my health. And I think there are so many amazing startups out there in the healthcare space that are really breaking barriers of the traditional medical system that we're all used to. And I think for myself as a founder, I always put myself last when it came to being sick or going to the doctor or whatever it might be. And one thing I actually did that was really cool recently is I got a full body scan from this company called Pernuvo. I think they have locations in a couple different places all over the United States. And they essentially do this full body MRI. And the point of it is to really be preventative and you know, kind of ahead of the game when it comes to your health. And it really can detect up to, I think it can d- detect stage one cancers, cysts, tumors, et cetera. And I learned so much about my body in just, you know, an hour of sitting there watching Love Island in the machine. So I I loved it. I really recommend it. If you're looking for a new way to kind of take control of your health, um, it opened my eyes to a few things that I am working with my doctor on now to obviously be more proactive about my health in general. Thanks so much for tuning into Work Party. We actually combined parties with Create and Cultivate on Instagram. So head to our handle at Create Cultivate for guest updates, highlights from your favorite episodes, and so much more. I'm Jacqueline Johnson, your host. Thanks so much for joining me and work hard. Party on. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.